And welcome back to another episode of Ice Time with your hosts, Matt Piscazzi and John Horton. Thank you again for listening yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and for all the continued love and support. Uh, be sure to check us out on the socials at Twitter or X, and that's uh, at Icetime9899. That's also our email if you want to shoot us an uh, email over at Icetime9899 at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, we'd love to do a mailbag episode sometime in the future. But uh, yeah, I get a get, Ugh, excuse me, geez. I guess I'll get right into this one. So um, if you notice uh, something about this one, will be um, kind of me in the beginning, and then you're going to get John in the second half of the episode. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to be away this weekend, so we kind of had to work out uh, a little bit of a split recording. So it'll be a little bit different, but, you know, we're both going to get on here, um, you know, give you guys plenty of content, give you our thoughts, our opinions. Um, I imagine we're going to have, you know, some of the same same kind of things we're going to be talking about. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of Rangers talk and then, you know, trade talk specifically for the Rangers as well. I think uh, John's going to have maybe a little bit more news as well. Um, you're still going to get the segments from both of us, but uh, yeah, I guess I'll just hop right into some of the Ranger stuff. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Jeez, my, my throat's still a little hoarse from uh, game on Sunday. Sorry about that. But uh, yeah, it is Wednesday right now when I'm recording this. Uh, so last night, the Rangers had a 2-1 victory over Dallas, and uh, it, was, it was a pretty good game for the Rangers overall. They looked like a really, so- a really solid kind of team unit. Uh, they played a really good game, and Igor was there to back us up when we really needed him. Uh, he had a, a really good game and a number of just very high-quality saves, um, some highlight reel-type stuff, uh, you know, kind of similar to the Igor that we're, you know, used to seeing, the, the Igor that we become, you know, became accustomed to, the Igor that won the Vezina. So really promising stuff coming from us in that Dallas game, and that's a really good hockey team over there in Dallas. You know, they're, um, I think they might have had one or two guys out, but also they, they didn't have Ottinger, Ottinger in that. They had their backup. But, you know, Scott, Scott Wedgwood is not a uh, slouch. You know, he's a pretty solid goaltender, and he actually made a bunch of really, really good saves on us as well. And uh, apologies, it's actually a 3-1 victory. I totally forgot about the empty netter as uh, I'm changing my notes. And if you ask John, it should have been 4-1. Hakus uh, Kreider actually got an empty netter right at the end, but um, I think the buzzer sounded like just before it went in. So officially it's 3-1. It could have been 4-1, but either way, huge victory for us. Um, and we're keeping it rolling, man. We're just keeping it rolling. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that should be eight wins in a row now. So uh, really, really good stuff. Uh, love what we're seeing. Looked a lot better than we did on Sunday. I mean, obviously Sunday, the end of that game was electric. And, you know, we, we came back. We really fought back into that game. But this game against Dallas was much more of a complete game. Uh, you know, obviously we had our mistakes. We had our lapses. Uh, what team doesn't at certain points in the game? But, uh, you know, in terms of a 60-minute full game, that was uh, a much better performance than uh, the performance we had on Sunday. So really happy with that. Really, really nice, and I'm sure if you uh, saw that game, caught the highlights, you were happy as well. So, uh, in a little unfortunate news, uh, like I said, it is Wednesday today. Uh, Panarin and VC both didn't practice, so I'm not sure if that's uh, maintenance. I didn't see anything glaringly obvious. I, you know, they both played both, like pretty much full games on Tuesday. Uh, didn't really seem like they got hurt at any particular point. So I'm really thinking that might just be maintenance. Uh, you know, I'm really hoping that we have them back tomorrow night, Thursday. We are playing the Devils. Uh, obviously, when this comes out, we will have already played the Devils, so hopefully they came back and we had a great game. But uh, yeah, I got my fingers crossed right now, knock on wood, that uh, you know this is just kind of a maintenance day. You know, they're saying, hey, your your legs don't feel right, your arms not right, your shoulders not right, whatever. Take a day off. We don't need you to practice. Um, you know, this is the NHL. Practice isn't necessarily as important, especially during the season. I think in the in the off season, it's a lot more important when you're trying to kind of you know establish your system. But during the season, if you have to take the day off, you need the maintenance take it, go for it. This is a long season. This is a tough game. So, uh, you know, hopefully that it is again, fingers crossed. Hopefully it's just a little bit of maintenance. They need a day off here or there, but, uh, you know, you guys will know when this comes out and, you know, hopefully, hopefully I'm right. Uh, so on to 
a little bit more uh, Rangers news here. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to be mostly Rangers talk here. I, th- I think John might have some more kind of league-wide stuff, but I really focused on the Rangers here for my you know 10 minutes or so. I got you guys. Uh, so Kako, Kapo Kako has looked awesome recently. He has looked killer. Uh, I really think that him playing on that third line, uh, it's been him, Brodzinski, and uh, Will Cooley. Oh my God, I was blank on Cooley. Uh, that line has looked really, really good. Actually, in the beginning of that game on Sunday when the rest of the team was, I mean, after that first five minutes, you know, that kind of the middle that middle half of the game before we kind of picked it up at the end there, uh, that third line was really the only line creating any offense for us. It was really them and then, you know, some of the guys from the point getting shots. That was all our offense, really. And uh, they were on the ice for that goal that we scored in the first five minutes. Uh, really nice play, kind of kept the puck in the zone, kept driving the net, kept getting shots on. And Kaku's been a big part of that. I think that when he's uh, playing with the top guys, when he's playing with Kreider and Zibanejad, uh, specifically, I mean, he's played with other names on the, on the roster up and down as well, but I think when he's playing with those top guys, he, um, he's almost like afraid. Like he kind of cedes to them, you know, he wants to like make the play, give them the puck and let them score. You know, he's always looking to make that last pass, that last play, but he has the skill set to be that guy, to be the guy to score the goal, to be the one in the front of the net in the position for the rebound. And I think that we're seeing more confidence from him on this third line. He's not afraid to kind of be the big dog, so to speak. He will drive the net. He will take the shot. Uh, He's much more willing to try and get into those gritty areas and score the goal as opposed to kind of letting his other teammates you know, take the reins and score the goal off his pass or something like that, right? Or off a nice play he made. He's really the one trying to drive the play. And uh, I think that's a huge part of why, you know, we're seeing him succeed so much recently here. And a uh, guy on his line, Johnny Bardzinski, we actually signed him to a two-year extension today. So uh, really good stuff, a two-year extension at uh, 787000 AAV. So, I mean, he's not, you know, it's not breaking the bank. I love that contract. I think we've seen uh, more than enough from him to believe that he can be a really, really serviceable option in the bottom six. Um, he really, and you know, John has been saying this to me recently. He's like, he went from like a career AHLer to, you know, really providing us a spark. And I've always been a fan of him. I think I've liked seeing him kind of come up and down the past couple of years. Um, in the AHL, he's been great. So, you know, to see him come up in the in the NHL a few times and kind of have mixed levels of success. But uh, he, specifically this season, we've seen him do pretty well. Um, he scored a couple goals on the power play. Actually, he's had a couple of games where he's been really impactful, especially offensively. Um, you know. He's not gonna put he's not gonna put up a million points, right? He's playing bottom six minutes, he's on the third line, but we are really seeing some really impressive stuff from him and some some good growth in his game. Uh he's not afraid. He's really he's not afraid to to get in the play, get in the gritty areas, drive the net. Uh so I'm really happy with that. And like I said, not right in the bank. I mean that's that's a veteran min contract type vibe right there. So really happy with that deal. I think that was a masterclass by Drury. Um not again, not that this is like breaking down any doors. He's not a superstar, but that's somebody that you know, you can really trust uh, on your roster specifically for some depth as well. Um, yeah, so I really like that signing. But uh, so like, yeah, I guess I'll get into real quick trade talk here before I kind of end with some segments. Um, a lot of names out there, but none of them are great. Honestly, this uh, unfortunately, it's kind of a seller's market right now because there's really not a ton of big names out there. I think last year around the trade that uh, excuse me, trade deadline, uh, there were a lot more names out there. Seemed like some bigger names out there. A lot of teams were kind of in the mix looking for players, right? But the players were out there. It was a lot easier to go out there and get a bigger name. You know, I mean, we got we got Kane and Tarasenko and, you know, all these guys, right? Patrano, Cop, whatever you just Just these deals, right? The deals were there. So um, actually, the Patrano Cop might have been the year before. But anyway, it's not like that this year. It's a little bit different. Uh, some of the bigger names out there are really not super great, not off, awesome options. But I do think that we could use... Um, I really think we could use one trade here. A top right winger would be awesome if we get a top right winger or even just, you know, kind of a top six, mid mid six uh, right winger. 
go up there, play on the first line with uh, Krides and Zib, uh, Krides and Mika. Jeez, I can't speak tonight. Like I said, my throat is still like, huh. But yeah, we need to get somebody to play up there with Krides and Zibanejad. Then we'll keep the second line the same. Third line will be the same. VC will go back down to the fourth line. Uh, we'll have, uh, it'd probably be Matt Rempe going back down to the AHL, but he's a you know, pretty serviceable 12th, uh, 13th forward, excuse me, to have there. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't mind a small move, maybe a couple prospects and like some low end draft picks for a seventh D, you know, a veteran defenseman making a mill or veteran main kind of contract that we can just trust to be that seventh defenseman. Uh, not that I don't like Zach Jones. I just think that his offensive potential is much more than you kind of want in a seventh defenseman. You know what I mean? Like if you have one of your top defensemen go down, you kind of have to take that seventh defenseman, slot him on that third pair and kind of move your, you know, your pairings around. You want to at least know that he's going to kind of be defensive minded and, and you know, do his best job in, you know, play his best hockey in the defensive zone. I don't really see Jack, Zach Jones as that type of player. Uh, he's smaller, he's faster, he skates really well, and he has tremendous offensive upside. But again, I think you need a little bit more defense from him. So I think we, we might see, you know, a move, uh, probably more likely to see a move for a top forward. Less likely to see a move for a, def- a depth defenseman, but uh, those would be two moves that I would love to see us make. You know, with that being said, the names out there floating around right now uh, there's a few forwards on the Ducks Adam Henrique, uh, then there's Frank Vetrano and Jacob Silverberg. So I don't love the Henrique talk. Uh, he's 34 years old, so he's old. He's also a former Devil. I've never been a Henrique fan. He's a good two way player, but uh, I'm not a huge fan of that move. But Toronto, I would love to see come back. I just don't know that, you know, he's been one of the bright spots on that Ducks team this year. He's been lighting it up. So I don't really know if they're going to be willing to move him. I think we might have to give up a little bit too much to have him make a comeback here. Uh, And with Jakob Silverberg, he's making the most out of those three guys. 5.25 mil uh, AAV. I think he only has one or two more, uh, one more year on his contract either way. But I think we'd have to give up uh, a couple guys there that I don't really want to give up, honestly. Um, I think I'm looking more at like a team like the Preds. There's a Tommy Novak or a Jakob Trenin. Who are young and cheap, you know, their contracts aren't. Uh, I think Tommy Novak's at 800K a year. Trenton is, I think, a little over a mil. Uh, like I said, they're cheap and they're young, but they have that potential. So I think if a move like that, you know, we're going to have to give up a couple couple draft picks, maybe even send them some prospects as well, because they're not going to want to part with a, with a young guy like that who's not, you know, on very low AAV and has a lot of potential, right? Uh, also, that's not necessarily the player that we want to bring in to shore up our roster, right? We want to kind of get a veteran in here to, you know, really be that one of the one of the pieces that can kind of help us be competitive, play in the playoffs. You know, it'd be nice if they have that playoff experience as well. So I don't know that that's the best move. Um, has me kind of looking over here at Ottawa. Maybe a return with Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, I think I'm probably most in favor of that move. Uh, you know, the Senators have been well spiraling this year. Uh, you know, I don't think we expected to see this from them. So I'm a big fan of uh, bringing Vlad back. I think if we can make that work for like, even if we have to give up a first rounder, but maybe we give up like a first rounder and a prospect or second rounder, third rounder, or a couple prospects in a second rounder. I mean, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to make that move. I think that that's kind of the ideal move to make, throw him right up on the first wing. You know, he's going to score. Um, and, you know, we may not be able to bring him back is the only thing he may be another rental, but I think, you know, if he makes a comeback here and we're successful in the playoffs, that's a lot more incentive for him to be like, you know what, I'll stick around. You know, and, and with Phil on the uh, LTIR right now, we have a little bit of that cap space to play with. So I'm a big fan of that move as long as we don't have to give up guys like Kako or Schneider. Um, you know, ideally you don't want to give up Othman as well. Um, so if we can kind of avoid that and maybe just kind of throw some draft picks and some prospects. For a rental, it seems like a lot, but honestly, I think that would kind of make the most sense here if we really do want to make a push here. And then uh, moving on to a couple other teams here. 
well, actually, a couple other guys on the Senators. Jacob, Jacob, or Jacob, I guess. Uh, Chitrin, the defenseman, and Dominic Kubalik have been floating around. Um, I think the Chitrin is just too much. We're going to have to give up for a defenseman that we don't really need necessarily. I think that he's kind of a, a little bit better than you know seventh tier, a bottom pair defenseman that we would want to be bringing in here for some depth. And I think we'd have to give up a little bit too much for him. Uh, Dominic Kubalik's an interesting one. You know, not like a breaking down the doors kind of trade by any means, but vet who's you know proven himself in the league here wouldn't have to give up too much to get him. So. Not a terrible move, but like I said, I'm still in favor of the Tarasenko move. Uh, and then uh, one more team, which I think it might actually be easier to get a trade-off with these guys, just because they're basically an AHL roster, uh, the Sharks. I mean, they, they we've had players coming out of that team right now saying, like, we're basically playing for an AHL roster. This is a joke. Like, what are we doing here? And uh, some of those guys, the names are floating around would be like Anthony Duclair. Maybe he makes a return to the Rangers. Uh, I believe we were the ones who brought him into the league. So that'd, that'd be kind of nice. Um, then there's also Barbanov and Nico Strum. Uh, Nico Strum isn't super offensively minded, but you know, a mid six forward to kind of give us some depth, play gritty. I think he'd perform really well in the playoffs. So I'm not super opposed to that move. And I don't think we'd have to give up a ton to get him. Uh, Barbanov, I'm not as big a fan of, um, I just, I mean, I mean, I also don't know a ton about him, so maybe that's why, but who knows? I mean, we'll see. I, I don't, again, I don't really know that I love that one, but maybe I just don't know enough. Maybe he's the perfect guy. Drewy's, you know, Drewy's going to have to go out there and find find the move that's going to work for us here. But uh, one last team here that's kind of been floating around is the Kraken. But I mean, I look at the Kraken and I really don't think they're going to be big sellers here because they're a fringe team. I mean, they they have the power, they have the roster, they have the goaltending. If they can kind of keep it together, they could be one of those kind of last spots into the playoffs. So I don't see why they would want to be sellers here. I don't see why they would want to move on Eberle or Wenberg. Uh, so I just don't see that happening. So I know that was a lot of names, a lot of talk there. Uh, ultimately it doesn't really matter because we have a couple weeks here to see what Drury's going to do. Right. I mean, that's just my thoughts. Uh, like I said, I think, um, I would love the Tarasenko move as long as we don't have to give up too much. Um, I think we're probably more likely to see a package deal with the ducks in which case I just hope we don't lose Kako. But if it is going to be a big package deal from that, from the, from the ducks, we may end up losing Kako in that move. But if we are going to end up, you know, keeping Vetrano or keeping Silverberg or something like that, or, or, you know, getting a pick back or getting a prospect back. Maybe that is the move. Um, I just love Kako and I'm, I'm not ready to give up on him. I've never really been ready to give up on him. So I guess I'll kind of leave it at that and see what John has to kind of say about that as well. But uh, yeah, with that, I think I'm just going to real quick get into Light the Lamp. Uh, and I'm sure you guys probably saw all sorts of replays online. I, it has some goal of the season potential here. Uh, it was a Quinton Byfield goal against the Blue Jackets. Uh, he's coming into the zone, going from left to right. Starts off by throwing the puck in between uh, Zach Wierenski's legs as he's trying to defend him. After it goes through his legs, Byfield uses his skate to knock it to his forehand. As the goalie's coming out to his forehand, he goes, psych, dekes him over to his backhand as he's going across the goal. Uh, he's basically going down to his knees. I believe he's getting you know, kind of hit from behind. And while he's going down to his knees, just kind of throws the backhand right, uh, I think it slipped in, like right over the bat, right under the glove. Uh, it was absolutely insane. It was a gorgeous move. Super powerful skating, um, incredible stick handing, incredible eye to eye. If you haven't seen it, check it out. I think it has some goal of the season potential. And uh, yeah, I didn't really have a bad take Friday. Um, I also just kind of rambled on here, went a little bit longer than I thought I would. But uh, of course, you know, you guys will still get John on the end here for 10 or 15 minutes or so. Uh, you know, his opinions, uh, hopefully he'll kind of have some other news to bring as well. I know I was really focused on the Rangers here. But uh, yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed my piece, and I will uh, shoot it over to my boy John to give you a second half here, close you guys out, and I will catch you guys on the next one. 
Okay, thank you again, Matt, for taking care of that for me. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, we did have to be separate for this one, but as you just heard, that was uh, my beautiful co-host, Matt, giving a lot of uh, in-depth breakdowns here. So um, I will be throwing in some uh, some big around-the-league news here. So starting off with some Maple Leaf news and just goal scoring and superstardom in general, Austin Matthews is the first player in the 2024 season to hit 50 goals. He is also the fastest U.S.-born player to reach 50 goals in a season. Um, He currently also has six hat-tricks on the season. The NHL record for hat-tricks in a season is 10, held by none other than Wayne Gretzky himself. So that would be pretty exciting and uh, incredible if that was broken this year. On top of Alex Ovechkin uh, potentially breaking the all-time goals of 894, 894 goals, He's, uh, I think he's about 40-something shy. Um, he has eight goals in his last eight games. I don't think he'll break it this season because he went a uh, pretty long stretch with uh, not a lot of goals. I think he only has about 14-15 on the season. So not too sure he's going to be breaking that. But yeah, so Austin Matthews, just absolute superstar. Um, just natural-born goal scorer. His technique on his toe drag release is, is phenomenal. And you've seen players uh, try and adapt that. You've heard Connor McDavid himself. Uh, last season when he scored 60, um, just talk about how he tried to model that. Um, even Connor Bedard, um, before coming into league, mentioned that himself, uh, that he really he really likes watching uh, Matthew's technique. Um, and other Maple Leaf news, uh, the suspension has been upheld by Gary Bettman for Morgan Riley in his cross-check. Um, no surprise there. I would have been shocked if they didn't. Um, you know, uphold that because it, that was just, again, we, we talked in depth of that. We don't need to really go back in depth with it, but that was a disgusting hit. Um, yeah, so currently breaking down the season, top five teams in the league are Vancouver Canucks with 80 points. And then you have uh, Boston Bruins, Florida Panthers, New York Rangers, and Dallas Stars. Uh, and then right creeping up on that at sixth is the Colorado Avalanche. So it's been a pretty exciting elite top 10 teams really trying to fight their way uh, to this playoff, the coming playoffs soon. Um, not really that soon, I should say, but the trade deadline, of course, is coming up soon. But soon playoff points are really going to start climbing in. I mean, Toronto is ninth right now. Vegas Golden Knights are 10th, and um, Edmonton is 11th. Um, speaking of the Vegas Golden Knights, no surprise here. Once again, Mark Stone has been placed on injured reserve. No surprise. Only a few months out from the playoffs, like we saw last year, where he was put on injured reserve. They acquired players at the trade deadline, bolstered their lineup, went into the playoffs where the cap does not matter, pulled him off LTIR, and he was an absolute monster in the playoffs. So, once again, they will be doing the same, in my opinion, BS technique, the Kucherov technique that the Lightning uh, pulled a couple years ago. Now, the debate about it is, you know, it is not illegal. It is allowed. So, um, unfortunately, it is something that can be manipulated. Um, I personally think the NHL needs to look into that, and they need to stop that because it's just ridiculous and it's not fair. Um, And it is kind of interesting. I mean, it's not guaranteed. They are 10th in the league right now, like I was saying. Uh, They've been skidding a little bit with injuries on the lineup. But, again, this is probably none other than them trying to really bolster the lineup more and then have their captain come back. And, you know, he is, as much as I'm not the biggest Mark Stone fan, he is a, a very good postseason player. Uh, the Florida Panthers have been lighting it up as well. 
and uh, they're a little scary. A little scary. Matthew Chuck's been a little unsung hero, mostly because Sam Reinhardt's been blowing up. But uh, yeah, no, that team is is looking deadly. Bobrovsky is uh, hot and cold, but I think he still gets the job done for them. Um, a quick side note on Conor Bedard, you know, he's still playing great, but, oh my gosh, and I, I'm sure a lot of people have complained about this too, just the unnecessary coverage of him at times, like, there was a game recently where he did this cool between-the-leg fake and got a backhand shot on goal, it was cool, but he didn't score it, it also wasn't really that close to going in, but they still posted it like it was some mind-blowing aspect, and, um, you know, I saw so many comments, at which I think is a fair point. Overhyping someone and showing uh, replays of that caliber can lead to unintentional hate towards a player. And that's not fair to Conor Bedard. Obviously, people will think what they think. People are going to do what they want are going to do, regardless of how you promote someone or not. But I personally think that's annoying and something that doesn't really need to be used as often as it is on the NHL marketing. Um, there was a thriller, Edmonton versus uh, Boston in overtime. I just got to point out how hilarious this was. Oh, my gosh. So, Charlie McAvoy scored the game-winning goal in overtime. Uh, it was a nice goal. It was great handling by him. But uh, Evander Kane and Stuart Skinner really didn't give him a hard time. I mean, Evander Kane sold. And there's a lot of jokes because he got in trouble for gambling years ago. But that he had money on the house for the Bruins to win. But, oh, my God. He flopped so hard to try and dive, block, and steal the puck away, which was completely unnecessary. If he had just stood still and crouch-blocked or even just poke-checked, Charlie McAvoy wouldn't even get closer than that. And I guess Stuart Skinner was inspired by Evander Kane's false heroics and decided to do the worst poke-check I've ever seen and completely pull himself out of the crease. And Charlie McAvoy just kind of had the little, you know, boop, little knock it in. And they won the game in overtime. That was a classic Edmonton. Um, again, not the biggest fan of Stuart Skinner. I really don't think he's going to be the person to bring them where they need to go, even though he is the goaltender they finally drafted. But, you know, that's a story for another day. Um, there was a wild game, literally, uh, the Minnesota Wild and the Vancouver Canucks early in the week, uh, that went 10 to 7 in favor of the Wild. Three hat tricks, uh, one from, uh, Eric, uh, Erickson had a hat trick, uh, Kaprizov and JT Miller all had hat tricks. Um, part of the comeback and win for this. No, Thatcher Demko was not in goal. Um, Philip Gustafsson playing horrendously as he has been this season for some reason. Lennon 5, Fleur Lennon 2. Excuse me. Um, but for the Canucks, they committed so many penalties and a handful of 5 on 3 penalties in the wild capitalized on their uh, power play. And a few empty netters. So that was exciting. Yeah, you know, the, the league has been scoring at a much more rapid pace. And I personally think it's, it depends. It's a mixed bag because sometimes it's really exciting and really cool. Other times, you know, if there's too much scoring, it gets boring. It's such an annoying aspect of, of entertainment in sports is you don't score enough, it's boring. You score too much, it's boring. It's like, what more do you want? But um, I think games like this sprinkled in every season are just really, really cool, jaw-dropping. Um, you know, you really want to break down and analyze what's going on. So in terms of NHL leaders right now around the league, Nikita Kucherov still leads in points at 94, six away from the first player to hit 100. Will he do it? Probably. But Nathan McKinnon right behind him with 92. Maybe he'll do it. Connor McDavid shot up to third place finally at 85 points with his massive amount of assists. He's not scoring on the clip he was that I was hoping he would, but 
What are you going to do? David Pasternak, 82 at fourth. And at fifth, Austin Matthews with 75. Now, of course, goals, Austin Matthews leads at 51. <laughs> the closest is Sam Reinhardt at 39. Uh, then Nikita Kucherov at 36, David Pasternak at 36, and Zach Hyman at 34. Um, in terms of goalies, again, Aiden Hill leads with goals against average. Also just because of their tandem, and he doesn't play as many games as others, but still impressive. At a 2.15, second is still Connor Hagebuck, 2.20. Jonathan Quick also hasn't played as much as others, but again, still impressive at his age. 2.36, uh, Joey Decord, 2.37, and Bobrovsky at 2.39. Um, and in terms of save percentage, still Aiden Hill at uh, 0.929. Connor Hagebuck at 0.925. Joey Decord at 0.925. 921. Jeremy Swayman at 0. 0.920, even though, I don't know, he's been kind of getting lit up here and there. And Thatcher Demko at 0. 0.918. Um, I know trophies are a little way out, but I was comparing. I just looked at defensemen. I think it's going to be Quinn Hughes' here, year. Um, not year, his year. You know, he's got 60 plus points. He's got a plus minus of, I think, plus 34 last time I checked. And his other competition in Cal McCarr has a little less points. Definitely less plus minus, and you know Adam Fox missed a lot of time, but he's still having a good season. But that definitely didn't help him in his race. Uh, yeah, I think this is Quinn Hughes's year, and it's still just exciting to see this Canucks team really defy the odds. And it makes you wonder if next season will be a continuation of this, or if this is just a fluke, um, you know, emotional time for them where they just are feeling themselves in the locker room and their team identity, and and this is what they're going to be capable of. But it will be interesting to see. Um, Again, Penguins are, uh, uh, final news here, the Penguins are continuing to struggle still, no surprise, and reports that Kyle Dubas is listening to talks of practically trading anybody. Now, of course, he would be a madman to trade any, trade any of, the, of the core, especially Sidney Crosby. Also probably can't because a handful of them have no trade clauses, no move clauses. Um, also, he would he wouldn't live to see another day in Pittsburgh if he did that. But um, it'll be interesting to see what he can do in the rebuild phase of this team with an aging legendary core that has brought so much fame and fortune to the state of Pennsylvania in the city of Pittsburgh. So yeah, that's pretty much about it for everything around the league now. Um, January was kind of a soft month for hockey, um, especially as a Rangers fan, but February has been electric. Uh, you know, going to that stadium series game was awesome. Um, seeing all these, all these scores, all these records being set, all this hype, um, all these surprises. It's really interesting. I just can't wait for playoff hockey. It's, there's nothing like play, playoff hockey. Um, April is such a boring month because every, half the teams are locked in. It's like, what's the point of even continuing to play? But uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll be covering that. We'll be giving you everything you need. So I think I'll wrap it up here. Uh, thanks again for always listening. Tune in every Monday and Friday for new episodes. Check us out on our socials. Send us an email if you'd like. We're always active there. Um, you know, tell your friends, family, loved one about this. Stay frosty, and we will catch you on the next one.